Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host, and today we're going to be talking about balancing your e-commerce ad campaigns in order to generate higher, more predictable uh, return on ad spend, ROAS. Uh, and you know, there's a lot that, of course, goes into generating uh, really, really strong returns on your advertising spend. Uh, the, <laughs> I think today we're going to try to tackle it succinctly. Uh, with that in mind, uh, we have a great guest today, Brendan from the Optoly team. Brendan, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Hey, Robert. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to, to be on your podcast. Uh, yeah, my name is Brendan. Um, I'm CEO of a company called Optoly. Uh, and what we do is we provide software to uh, direct-to-consumer and e-commerce uh, teams to help them to get a better return from their ad spend across the big ad platforms of Facebook, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and, and Google, etc. Awesome. And I always love to ask tech companies how they came to their names. How did Optoly get started? You know, was it uh, was it based on fixing a specific problem or did you stumble into it? Um, yeah. So um, I, the, the name is, is let's have, that's a fun kind of conversation because it was um, uh, trying to describe what we do and uh, Myself and Keith, co-founder of the company, um, you know, uh, lots of conversations on a Friday afternoon into the evening and I'm trying to understand, explain what we do in a word. Um, and for me, optically is a state of being. Um, so it's uh, uh, you're sitting back on a Friday afternoon and everything's working across your ad platforms. Um, so you're thinking about if things are working optimally um and uh, and you're able to have a few beers so um i'm irish so um it's always a focus on having beers on a friday evening um well but it, it, yeah yeah and sp- speaking of um you know so I, I should tell the audience that you've written a book uh and so i i had the pleasure of reading through this uh you know accelerating e-commerce growth and if i if i remember correctly one of the co-founders in the company has a major background in rugby and which mm. got me thinking all about statistics and, you know, whenever you think sports and data, they've become really yeah. much more synonymous than, than ever before. Uh, and so talking about, you know, kicking back with a few pints, <laughs> I can imagine uh, there's probably some good games that, that uh, yeah. y- your company gets to enjoy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, Kieran was, um, uh, captain of, uh, the Irish rugby team and the Lions, which is a kind of united kind of, um, British and Irish, um, rugby team. And, uh, yeah, so he's, he's a legend, um, on, on this part of the world. Uh, so yeah, lots of, lots of conversations about rugby over pints of Guinness. So yeah, we, we fit all the stereotypes, I'm afraid, Robert. <laughs> Um, I think that's perfectly fair. I think our audience expected no less, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but maybe you know, back to your your question in terms of where where did it come from? And um, uh, so, look, I I've been the guy, um, and I've or else I've very often sat beside the the the, the person responsible for um, buying media, buying marketing, you know, ads across kind of big ad platforms, and being at the table with 
you know, others around the management table and saying, hey, why are we spending so much here? And it doesn't look like it's delivering. And why are we spending, you know, so little there? Um, and you very, very often get into sometimes awkward conversations about uh, brand marketing and funnel marketing. And, well, we have to invest here, you know, um, because uh, in particular, what we called kind of digital native companies, right? So companies that didn't exist 20, 30 years ago, um, were absolutely obsessed with performance marketing and being able to measure everything and see the return on ad spend of everything we do. Um, and in order to talk to customers, right, to access your customers, you need to be advertising across multiple, what we now call walled gardens, because there is no data exchange between the Facebooks and the Googles and the Snapchats and the TikToks and the Pinterests, right? So, and all of that does is make our jobs harder as marketers, right? Because um, we're trying to tie the customer journey across all of these different touch points. Um, and we're trying to make better decisions about where to spend not just our money, but where to put our effort in terms of our time, um, building out creative, et cetera. Um, so I, I actually came late to Optally. Um, had met the co-founders, um, a company that existed for a few years beforehand. And really, it was a workflow automation system that they'd built in particular around the Facebook, Instagram world. Um, but they'd, they'd actually done something very clever, um, just as I was kind of, a, as I'd met them, which was um, created a bridge, a data bridge initially between the Google marketing platform, which is, you know, think of everything that sits within the Google world, which is obviously Google search and shopping and YouTube, and then display advertising across millions of websites around the world. So, so, and that kind of works almost holistically, right? There's, um, you know, things kind of tied together in there. Um, and then the Facebook, Instagram world, which is its own kind of separate entity. So they built a data bridge, but actually had also built optimization capabilities, um, which meant that based on the unified view, so a single view of what's happening across these two big kind of um, wall gardens, start to make changes to ads and to ad campaigns based on that data. And I hadn't seen that before, right? And so we got to know each other. I came on board and to have them to kind of commercialize that product and kind of bring it to market. Um, and uh, and that's what we've been doing. So so that's where it came from because I felt the pain of being at the, at the management table and trying to explain this. Um, and, uh, and, I, and most of the people who've joined the company, especially since we done this pivot in the business in terms of really focusing on this bridge between the big wall gardens we've all been in that situation where we felt the pain we know what it's like to struggle to tie things together and you know a lot of folks are using platforms like google analytics and so they feel like they at least at a high level have interconnected data but uh, you know one of the the typical problems um, and you know i enjoyed your take on it in the book was uh, dealing with attribution and mm. every platform wants to take credit for that sale. And so if you were to actually add up the perceived return on ad spend that Google is reporting and Facebook is reporting and this one and that one, there's overlap um, that they feel like they influence that sale because that shopper along their customer journey, they saw ads, you know, display ads here and they, you know, click through something there. And, you know, so... It's an additive effect and it becomes a lot harder to to track. So how is it that your team addresses some of that attribution challenge um, differently, let's say, than something like a Google Analytics? So I, I think there was a point, maybe we all were, were at this point where we all thought 
there must be a solution to solve the attribution problem, right? We need to get a single view of truth. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it's actually, I'm going to say it's become impossible, right? I'm going to say it's going to become harder, but it's actually become impossible from an extent that, um, you know, as the walled gardens of the walls has got bigger and thicker in each of these gardens, right? Um, so, so aligning, um, what happens in an ad platform. So think of, let's say, take Facebook and Instagram. So, you know, um, people see ads or engage with ads in the platform. Um, and that what we call view through conversion data, right? Um, it's just not available to anyone else, right? Um, to any other platform, any other attribution solution. Um, so actually trying to solve that conundrum is, uh, you know, is actually impossible, right? Um, to really get that unified view. And, uh, and as the book points out, they don't have a vested interest in making too much of this data available because, you know, living in obscurity, a lot of companies just feel like they have to keep running all the ads um, because they, they can't tell uh, what the what's really happening. And to some extent, uh, you know, that that just leads to as much as we have tons of data, you're right back to some form of analysis paralysis where uh, you're afraid to act in ways that, that might make logical sense because you don't really have the data that you need to act prudently. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think we're not disparaging the platforms by calling this out, right? Because if you work in, in Facebook or you work in, in Google, then your only incentive, your only, your bonus, right, at the end of the year is based on what, what they would call share of wallet. So how much of this company's advertising budget is coming to us versus our competitors being the other big platforms. And um, so there are no incentives. Like, uh, you know, commercially, there are no incentives. Um, and even from a competitive and anti-competitive perspective, it's also difficult for them to work together. So, so let's, so we work on the assumption that they're never going to solve this problem and we're never really going to trust them to solve it anyway. Right. Um, so, so, so what can we do? Right. That's, 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 that's the question that, that we faced. And, um, so, so what we do is we, we, we make some assumptions, right? So we assume, let's say, you know, um, in Facebook, you're looking at your performance data and you can see on Facebook says, Hey, um, I got you 10,000 conversions last month or in the last six months. And we work in the assumption that Facebook is not lying, right? So Facebook's not making up the numbers. Okay. Um, but, so then you jump across into maybe your analytics platform, maybe it's Google Analytics, or maybe you're into Shopify or BigCommerce. You're, you know, you're in there and, and based on an attribution model that is in that analytics platform, um, which is always going to be based on click data, right? Um, and, uh, because it doesn't have the impression data. Um, and let's say that says, you know, so this, that Facebook campaign is being attributed with, I don't know, 6,000 conversions, right? The truth is somewhere between the two. Um, and not one of those is, is fully accurate because the attribution model is saying, Hey, somebody, yes, they clicked on ads in Facebook and Instagram, but they also clicked on, um, links in my emails and they also clicked on, um, some organic content, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and the attribution model can see the click data. Um, meanwhile, the platforms can see everything that 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 human, that individual did across multiple devices um, um, across their ad platform. 
So the approach that we've taken is to start doing some predictive modeling and say, well, okay, let's put these data points together. Let's put the analytics and attribution data together with what the platforms are saying. So it's not one or the other, right? It's both together. Um, and what we're, what you really care about is the answer to the question, which is where should I invest more in order to get a better overall return to grow my sales, grow my conversions? So what we, we're setting out to answer that question. So even though I want to solve the attribution problem, I've kind of resigned myself to the fact that it's not really the real question anymore. The question is, if I spend more on this campaign, will I grow my sales? Okay. Um, and the second thing that we've done is, um, uh, you know, we both, and we've baked it into our software, um, is, uh, we've structured everything according to a funnel. Right. So there's an out of the box funnel strategy because at different points in the customer purchase journey, as an advertiser, as a marketer, you're doing different things. Um, and if you're nurturing people through the funnel, then you already have better kind of insights as to what's working and delivering for you. And you're not measuring everything on a last click because what you're doing at the top of the funnel is nothing to do with last click. Right. Um, so, um, so that's, that's a key additional thing that we've we've where we've focused people and tried to all of our clients you know whether they're coming in for our software um or they're you know becoming maybe a managed service client and we're kind of supporting them on a day-to-day basis the first conversation i have with them or the team has with them is about the funnel and the rationale for using a funnel and um, as, as a structure yeah, and I know um, we have a, a guest blog post from your team that I will link to in the show notes uh, for anyone that wants to take a look. It really dives into that history of the funnel and and where it's it's evolved to today. And I, I know that uh, the book talks about it a lot. Um, you typically break it into four areas, and you know, and, and one of the insights uh, fr- from the book that that certainly um, you know that speaks to my personal experience as well is that a lot of users are just focused on that, uh, that user that, you know, they're going to run advertising, assuming that that user is going to convert immediately, that they're going to spend as if that user is going to convert immediately, that this is someone that's hot to trot, that's already educated, that's already, already has the right affinity, and, and that's already at the right stage to be ready to make a purchase. And that that's, that's some of the most costly clicks, some of the most costly advertising as opposed to the advertising to get them to that point. How do you typically look at this in the e-commerce world? Where do you find that, um, that what's usually missing from the funnel when you start looking at, uh, at someone's ad campaigns across these platforms like, you know, Google and, uh, and Facebook? Yeah. So, so, um, uh, when people, um, on board with, with our software, the first thing it does is it starts to organize their campaigns, into different stages of the funnel. So we kind of look at the, um, the, the strategies on the campaigns, the objectives, the bid objectives, et cetera. Um, and, um, what we invariably find is that the vast, vast majority of the spend and the effort is in the bottom of the funnel, right? Um, because it's great. We can, can get started very easily. We can spin up some smart shopping campaigns and we can do some dynamic product ads in Facebook and Instagram, et cetera, and get our, get our catalogs sweating our catalogs from the bottom of the bottom of the funnel. Um, and there's a, there's always, there's always that moment when, um, um, we see, you know, everything ends up with a, 
a conversion objective, a sales or a CPA or a revenue ROAS objective. And then we talk to people and say, no, 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 that's a middle funnel campaign. Or like, that's an upper funnel campaign. So we have lots of people when we engage and say, no, no, I'm, 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 I'm prospecting with that campaign to cold audiences. But my only objective that I'm telling the ad platform is I want them to, to buy now. Um, so to your point, um, it is the most expensive type of like um, action that you can get somebody to do. It's like, think of it as cost per goal or cost per conversion. It, of all of the things you can do in an ad platform, it's the most expensive thing you can do is get someone to actually buy. So why would you spend that money on people who have demonstrated no interest in your product, right? Who, who have no signals, you, you have no signals that say, you know, I, I, I love your brand. I'm interested in your brand. I'm engaged with your product and I've spent time on this now. Okay. Some people you will purchase in an instant. So we have done some, for example, upper funnel campaign. We'll explain a little bit what, what I mean by that. But, and we see, oh, wow, upper funnel is converting. We're getting sales from our upper funnel, right? Um, and because yeah, that will happen. There will be instantaneous purchases, et cetera. Um, so most people I find when we, when they, when, you know, when they're in, doing e-commerce and they're getting their business up and running and they're starting to scale, they're absolutely in bottom of funnel because it's a great place to start. And I'd always say, yeah, start there. It's fine. The, the, the challenge is, and the reason they come to a solution like us or other kind of marketing kind of agencies or service providers or consultants is because it's plateauing for, in some way. One, it's not scaling because we've maxed out with the bottom of the funnel, the people who are actively ready to buy, or it gets, it's all of a sudden becomes incredibly inefficient. It gets, it, it, it's, the costs are skyrocketing, right? So my ROAS is, I started on a ROAS of 10 and it was amazing. And now I'm down to a ROAS of two and I don't know what to do. Okay. And um, so, um, and yes, yeah, so, so what, what I, I guess in terms of what we do with people at that stage and how would, what we would suggest to them or kind of wrote about in the book is, um, the reason things have plateaued or the reason things have become inefficient is that um, you're, you're either competing in um, uh, you know, a shopping auction where the only opportunity you have is to compare against price against somebody who's got a similar product to you and you're stacking up side by side you know, and it's very hard to differentiate and you've got no brand engagement, no understanding of who you are and how you're different. Um, so what we would tend to encourage people to do is to start investing in the, in the Middle of the funnel and the upper funnel. And what it, sorry, we we haven't really described what I mean by that. But um, so for for us, um, when we think about how people purchase, right? Um, uh, all of the research over kind of the last hundred odd years into into this into consumer purchase behaviors would indicate probably three to four common stages. It doesn't matter if the purchase happens in an instant or if it happens over you know uh, days, weeks, or months. Um, and and the first stage um, that consumers go through is for, is one become aware of um, or become conscious of a problem that they want to solve, a need that they want to fulfill, or a desire that they want to satisfy, and 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 that can be a conscious or a subconscious awareness, right? It's um, it doesn't have to be something we bring to the front of the mind, and unless that happens, then you know, the purchase won't happen. There has to be some some trigger at that stage. Um, and the second stage that people go through is um, either information gathering, uh, researching, evaluating my options. And even if um, I'm 
I'm not actively researching across the web, right? But even when I'm looking at data that's in front of me or imagery or whatever it might be, then I'm already have a frame of reference. So I'm already doing evaluation uh, based on, I understand this product category. Um, I know what I should be paying and what the typical price might be. So we already have a frame of reference built. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and, and so, so at that stage, what, we're trying to do with the customer is to is to educate them right about our features and benefits etc right and at the, at the bottom of the funnel then um that last stage of the purchase decision um is heavily influenced by um uh by by, by actually the, the behavioral architects uh, was an institute they they ran research with 300,000 um in market shoppers and and they identified five to six cognitive biases that heavily influence people. So, for example, the scarcity bias. The, the less available something is, or as stock runs out, the more um, the more appealing it becomes. Um, you've got an authority bias. So, somebody that I respect um, um, uh, has rated this, or social proof, right? You know, we understand that. Um, so, so, so there are things that we can do. At that stage of the funnel that we can leverage and say, hey, you know, kind of buy now. Um, and the role of advertising, so that's what so a marketer's job, right, is to nurture people through the purchase journey. Right? Um, and the role of advertising more specifically is to complement what you're doing on your website or to complement your email marketing, your CRM kind of um, and marketing. Uh, and so what we call the owned and operated activities. So when somebody's not on your website, right, and they're not already engaged with your email, that you're nurturing them through the funnel, and uh, when they're elsewhere on the web, right, and typically on 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 the big platforms, and um, you know, and uh, they're doing other things. So as marketers, then, um, what we're doing is we're at the for those people at the top of the funnel, and actually my own team kind of they stop me when I say top of funnel because they say, Brendan, we're not actually. Doing real top of foot. This, this is kind of like the bottom of the top of the funnel of what we talk about because what we're not saying is go spray and pray. Like just spend loads and loads of money on very broad awareness campaigns to the whole world. No, I'm not saying go sponsor the Olympics and just hope no. for the best, you know, and no. get your logo yeah, yeah. up there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, what we kind of do is we let other people do that, right? So what we're coming in is a layer after that. And, and, and this is where the platforms are really, really good. And, and, and so we're looking for people who are in market for our product, but who are not actively searching, right? Because that comes comes later. Um, and for however long the platforms have all of this data, right? Because, you know, Facebook is following you around the web, Pinterest is following you around the web and Snapchat, the pixels are everywhere. Um, and so is Google. So they know what, they they know so much more about what you're thinking about buying um, than you as a brand will ever know, right? And we have all the data we might have about our, our own customers. So what we're trying to do is, be in front of people um, when they're actually in market for our product. Um, and um, and what we're usually doing at this stage is we're usually, um, we're, we're not putting the product as the hero, right, of the story. We're usually telling a story about, um, you know, why you should make a change in your life, why, why you know, it's maybe time to transform your life, you know, and, and how we as a brand can be part of that journey with you. So typically using short form video because video is a really great way for us to build audiences kind of really cost effectively. Um, and it is the cheapest to get somebody to watch a 15 second video 
um, is probably one of the cheapest things you can do in these platforms. Um, and especially if it, there's emotional hooks and storylines kind of in it. Um, don't tell that so, to all the competing podcasts and video casts and things. We don't want them to know that. Yeah. But, but everyone else, yeah. All, all the e-commerce yeah, exactly. merchants, yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what we're doing there is we're really just trying to identify... Um, and we, we, we won't, we, we go to the platform and say, look, who's, who's, who's more likely to engage with my, my video? And then we, we take those people and we take them to the next stage of the funnel. And the next stage of the funnel, we're using different formats. We might use longer form video or we might use carousel ads or instant experiences. Cause what we're trying to do here is we're trying to, um, satisfy the need for a little bit more information. Right. And um, so within the same kind of real estate area on in the platform, in, in the Facebook stream or, or um, Instagram um, uh, stream is to share a little bit more information. So here's our key features and benefits. Here's how we actually, you know, um, can, can impact and change, you know, something in, in your life. Um, and, uh, and what we're doing there is we're educating. Right. Um, and now we're trying to actually, we're actually trying to drive traffic to our website. So, the the call to action is probably learn more rather than buy now, right? Because we're still in this research mode and we're trying to satisfy the the research agenda. Um, and when they get to the, and actually we will get sales there. We will get we will all, we, we we you should expect you know a return on ad spend kind of from this stage of the funnel. It won't be as big as the next stage of the funnel, right? But we are people will purchase. Um, but at at the at the, at the at what we call the bottom of the funnel, then we're talking to people who are. Have the demonstrated high purchase intent? Maybe they're actively searching, um, in in the search engines, and they've, you know, interacted with our website. Maybe they've added a product to the shopping basket, but kind of not completed the purchase. And um, so we know that they're ready to purchase it or really seriously thinking. And here we're using, you know, um, we're using very strong calls to action to buy now. And um, very often it'll be offer led in terms of, hey, um, here's a time bound offer, and um, there's there's the power of free maybe comes in. Hey, if you buy this, then there's something else that's kind of um, we're, we're going to make available to you, um, or highlighting our delivery proposition, etc. Um, and uh, and this is the buy now kind of stage of the funnel. The other thing we do here is, um, which is if you like the fourth kind of um, um, step, which is you know all of our existing customers who we have so much data about, we we know when they're likely to make their next purchase. We know if they've purchased or if they've, you know, what's the recency and frequency. Um, and using that data in the platforms to speak to them in a very personal way. Um, sometimes people say to me, why would I spend money on on Google or YouTube or Facebook? You know, because I can just send them an email. I was like, well, um, it is incredibly cost effective for me to put an ad in front of um, a customer of more of mine um, and that I know is interested in a specific category or a specific product. And um, so it goes back to, if you remember in the old days, um, Robert, we um, uh, worked in kind of large organizations and the brand guys will say, hey, somebody needs to see our ad in five different places before they're going to buy from us, right? So it's back to that um, consistent messaging across your email, your SMS marketing, your advertising. Um, you spent a lot of money already to get them really, you know, in a relationship with your brand yes. to build that brand awareness, to build that experience. And now why wouldn't you want to put other products in front of them and give them other opportunities to convert more? You know, at that point, you know, it, it's a lot easier 
to keep upselling, uh, you know, and, and retaining your existing clients than it is to go farm new ones. So absolutely the same reason that everyone's still running email marketing and getting into SMS marketing and, um, and going about this through a variety of channels. It's that you have, you know, you have this list, you have this data, uh, there's almost never a, a good reason <laughs> to ignore it. Um, you know, and so, so far you know, you've got a pretty, a pretty, uh, you know, detailed overview of let's break apart these campaigns based upon what they should really be targeting. And let's also make sure that, uh, that we're getting these different areas of the funnel filled so that ultimately you can get, you know, those people that are really going to convert at the bottom of the funnel, um, so that you keep filling it from the top down and, and it, it really builds that cycle of purchasing. Hmm. Are there times where, because budgets are limited, that you find that there are a couple of areas that really just those have to always be there, you know, by and large, you know, with with rare exception, and the others are more ideal, but um, you know, maybe not deal breakers uh, quite as often. Yeah, um, the 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 obvious thing to do is to make sure that um, you're sweating your your catalog. Right. So, um, and what I mean by that is that it's your, um, it's your biggest, well, one of your, your biggest assets, right. In terms of it's something that is probably unique to you. Um, and most of the platforms, um, with a couple of notable exceptions enable you to integrate your, your catalog in there, right. So, um, you know, Google Merchant Center, Facebook kind of product catalogs and Snapchat, um, uh, even YouTube now is able to kind of do it, you know, facilitating getting your catalog in there. Twitter doesn't, right? Which is weird. And TikTok is getting there, et cetera, right? So, um, because if you're e-commerce, then, um, you know, bringing your catalog in and maybe overlaying it with some of the other creative options. So, for example, collection ads is a, is a term that, that Facebook uses, which is you're combining video, you know, the storyline with, your product catalog. Hey, here's 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 the um, um here's my catalog, um and you can click to buy this specific product maybe that you see in the video. So so that is probably the easiest thing that gives you kind of kind of good traction, right? Um and especially if you're if you invest a little bit in um in the creative storytelling and those middle funnel dynamics around that, right? Because um and that gives you the opportunity to lift people out of oh here's just another product okay um so 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 that's um that's kind of like yeah no brainer one right um the second thing to do and it's probably around audiences right is um i'm increasingly seeing um you know the more sophisticated e-commerce brands they're they're integrating their crm kind of segments back into the ad platforms, right? So making sure you tick all the privacy and consent boxes, right? But um, is that um, when you, you know, your richest data, you know, is is the data you have on your customers um, and you know who's bought from you recently, you know what kinds of products they bought and you know who hasn't bought from you, right? Um, So one, making sure that you, you know, from your live campaigns, or your let's say your acquisition campaign, you're excluding those people who just bought for you. Right? So that's very important. So you don't waste money and kind of keep selling them. Um, 
but then is to start the building out your segment. So if you're, um, if you have a bunch of customers that you're emailing because they haven't bought from you in kind of three or six months, um, and you're emailing them, um, then isolate those as a customer list and integrate them. So Clavio, Mailchimp, you know, I see in people's ad accounts, they've got their Mailchimp campaign, they've got their Clavio campaign because it's just, it's, 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 it's linking back in with their CRM. Um, and, and that's kind of a no brainer, right? Because it means then you're feeding the platforms with, with important data. Um, and of course, then you're able to start building out your lookalike audiences or your similar audiences. Um, so your, your, your customer matching, right? So you're saying to the platform, um, find me people who look like my customers. Um, and that's just something you have to do, right? Um, in whatever way, way you can. Um, and, and the other, let's say the third thing that I see, um, uh, increasingly as the pixels are maybe dying, right? So the, 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 as the cookie is starting to maybe disappear or become less reliable is, um, uh, that, that, that interstitial, that banner that appears, um, when you land on somebody's website and it says, Hey, get 10% off your first purchase, right? So, um, two really valuable things that that's doing for you is one um it's showing hmm, somebody's willing enough to give me my email address um uh to uh um uh, so 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 demonstrates they're they're happy to engage with me as a brand and two they have a purchase intent right because that's why you're you're incentivizing them and um, and what that's allowing a lot of brands to do is take that data and in real time start feeding that data back into the platforms right because now I don't have to rely on the pixels so much to tell me about a customer and I can hit, you know, and I'm, I'm selling the platform. Here's somebody who's landed on my website and they're not on my exclusion. This so they haven't yet purchased from me, but they have high purchase intent. Now let's, let's double down on that, on that individual. I'll stay um, in front of them until they do purchase. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Giving so, them a few so, extra so like reasons there's, there's, along the way. Yeah. Educate yeah, them some more. Yeah. 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 So, so like I would say there are three things you should do. Right. And then, you know, as just, you know, before you do anything else and start investing very broadly, you know, et cetera, um, that get those things, those three things going. That makes sense to me. And as this is all happening, I know that, you know, something that your platform helps to uncover from what I learned from, uh, from demoing it and, and kicking the tires on it myself, figuring out not only which campaigns need to sort of fit in different parts of the funnel and what the ROAS should be for different campaigns, you know, helping you to identify that these things are not the same and the, the ROI expectation on them uh, or, or ROAS shouldn't be exactly the same. But figuring out even back to some of that earlier part of the conversation of walled gardens, which platforms are actually producing, which campaigns are actually producing, because, you know, often you'll have whether they're in-house people or whether they're agencies on the outside, you'll have different people working on Facebook mm -hmm. ads and Google ads and all these different things. And, um, you know, everyone will just keep telling you to double down on whatever they're running. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, figuring out where to actually, um, you know, usually it's not about cutting something completely out in, from my experience, but it is about, massaging some of those budgets so that you're doubling yeah. down on the thing that's working best <laughs> and, uh, and effectively spreading your dollars, uh, you know, based on real data, not just on, uh, on having an even spread. Yeah. Um, 
and, and the important part about that um, is at each stage of the funnel, we're trying to, we're measuring different things and we're looking for an ROI in a slightly different way. So, for example, at the top of the funnel, as, as we call it, um, what are we trying to do? We're trying to maximize our reach, right? Um, but not just very, you know, broadly and kind of indiscriminately, but we're trying to maximize our reach with people who are likely to engage with the content that we're showing them, let's say our short form videos, but also who have a propensity to click through. So we're not trying to, we're not optimizing for cost per click per se, but this blended metric of, let's say, CPM or cost per, per view through, you know, video view, um, coupled with a qualifier of, um, uh, of, of click through rate, right? In, in the middle of the funnel, we're, we're often trying to, you know, again, engagement, but also starting to drive traffic to our site again as cheaply as possible at the highest volume, but with the propensity to convert, right? To engage, to, to have longer sessions. Um, and of course, at the bottom funnel, we're all about revenue and ROAS and return, et cetera. So, so, um, and, and that's where, uh, again, when, when, when we, we're setting up our campaigns and so, you know, we're doing this and maybe we put in, you know, $50 a day on this campaign and $100 a day on this campaign and maybe $300 a day on this campaign. Um, very, uh, very infrequently is there a mathematical rationale for why we do that? Right. And, um, where, where Optily kind of came from was, you know, original algorithms were designed by commodities day traders, right? And essentially the rationale, if you think of it, is, hey, these things are just auctions, right? We're, we're bidding. Unfortunately, we're bidding for humans. We're bidding for eyeballs, right? And so it's a bit, it's a bit brutal, but, um, you know, to get the best return, right? What we want to be doing is making sure that we're, in, um, spending the right balance of spend, our budget, available budget, um, in the campaigns or in the ads or the ad sets or the, the keyword groups that are delivering the best return for us today. And that, and that changes, right? You know, you'll have incremental changes continuously. So, so that's what uh, a lot of what we do is looking at what's delivering a better return and then mathematically deciding how much to invest and to spend. And I sometimes say to, to people, look, mathematically, you can't fail, right? Because if you're always spending a little bit more in, um, uh, a campaign that's delivering a higher return, um, and then you're continuously adjusting that, then you're always ensuring you're getting the best value. Right? Now, other things will come into play, like you know, impression share and frequencies that you know that you have to kind of keep an eye on as well. And um, so we take those into account as well as we're as we're modeling these things out. Um, so so so, and what that ends up doing is, and um, people have very strange numbers as their daily budget, not fifty dollars a day might be 48.97 or it might be 75.22 or whatever right so so you end up with this um uh, a different way of thinking about how all of your campaigns across different platforms are working together um so we don't really and i don't think any advertiser any 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 marketer cares whether they give the money to google or facebook or snap or pinterest or whatever right um all we care about is you know, which of these campaigns is more likely to drive engagement or which of these campaigns is more likely to drive qualified traffic and revenue? Look, if most merchants, if most businesses had the opportunity, they would just hold the money in the air and say, first one to generate a sale gets it. You know, <laughs> you know, I, I, exactly. you know I, 
I don't think that for these purposes that there's a ton of brand affinity <laughs> between one ad stack and another uh, as it relates to the ad networks themselves, that it, it's all about generating uh, you know, new sales and, and hitting other important goals. And I think that you know, stepping back is often the challenge that everyone's so busy running the campaigns that they already have and tweaking that stepping back to see... Well, why are we, you know, if this one is, if if this Google campaign is doing so much better, why aren't we moving more budget to that? Uh, you know, there's all these things at play that sometimes just get lost in the mix of being so deep in when you're looking at them. Um, you're looking at individual keywords, individual targeting parameters, um, you know, so yeah, that's, uh, mm. that's a big yeah, I think part another of the challenge. Piece- yeah, I think a piece there as well is um, a little bit how we structure ourselves internally, right, in, in our businesses, or maybe how we have our agencies, our consultancies working together is, you know, in principle, and this is hard, right, but nobody should be incentivized for you to spend more in any particular place, right? So, you know, sometimes... You know, even within agencies, right? The paid social team is competing with the PPC team for relevance, mm-hmm. right? Hey, we have bigger budgets than you guys, you know, and that can happen within organizations as well. Hey, I'm the I'm the the Google guy, and you're the Facebook person, and um, you know, I I want to be spending more. So so we we kind of need to culturally kind of decouple all of that, right? So um, and uh, because ultimately, as as a business, as an organization trying to grow. Yeah, it's not relevant. Now, you know, unfortunately, the platforms don't 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 play nicely together. They don't look like each other. So actually, you probably end up with different people who have different skills, and some are good at Facebook, some are good at Google, etc. Um, so it's hard, and like, there's no, I'm, I don't have an easy solution for that, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. ideally, there's someone involved on a a higher level, whether in the organization or or a consultant outside, or in, or someone at an agency that's helping to oversee more in a, a more broad uh, optimization capacity, a more broad account management uh, capacity is, is helping to steer that. Um, mm-hmm. I I know that in my agency days, I I used to. I don't know, enjoy wouldn't necessarily be the right word, but, uh, you know, I'd run into these situations where I would have to say to someone, they came to our doorstep looking for SEO. And I'd have to tell them, look, you know, yeah, we can we can do that. And actually, as an agency, because that's our labor, as opposed to, you know, ad spend, where most of the money is going to the ad network, that'll be more profitable for us. I would love nothing more than to sign you up for that today. However, um, I think that based on your goals, you're looking for fast ROI, um, you want to start getting clicks immediately. You want to start generating data, start getting sales immediately. Um, that I, I think we should be starting out together on, let's say, in, in a particular case, Google Ads. And mm-hmm. we're going to get the, the data that we need a lot faster to identify what are the right target markets, what are the right keywords, what, are, you know, what is going to move the funnel. And as we get more and more of that data, it can inform what we do in other ad networks. And at the same time, you know, if you talk to anyone, um, you know, that's going to help you invest for retirement or such, or, or just, you know, wealth management, they're going to tell you about putting money in different buckets. And, you know, you should yeah. have your, you know, this, that and the other thing, you know, for rainy days or, or for, uh, you know, for immediate access. And, um, and in case this market goes south or, or, you know, you know, hedge your, your bets 
in different ways. That all all makes sense. But depending on the budget somebody came in with, I'd say, let's start with the Google ads and get some data before we start trying to spread thin where you're paying for both, you know, clicks and management for six ad platforms, maybe start with one or two. And then we'll take that in, you know, in a few weeks, we'll evaluate together. We'll take that forward. But we'll start with the ones that we think based on our historical experience are going to have the best ROI for you. It's it's very hard to split everything evenly across the board, give everything the same equal attention and expect the same equal results everywhere. You have to hypothesize. You have to, you know, uh, uh, jump in, in the water at some point, uh, even if it's a little cold <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and get going. Can't just dip your toe in forever. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I think that there are a lot of challenges that are faced in just identifying uh, that that right direction for these when it's time to branch out into a new platform, when it's time to spin up new campaigns and not just stick to what you have. And even like you said, you know, there are always new things happening. So, you know, as platforms allow for things like commingling your products and video, well, you know, now it's and early adopters, while not everything always works out in tech, I mean, even, you know, the biggest of companies, uh, like Google have plenty of failures <laughs> that people forget quickly, but um, lots of products and services that, that don't uh, work out as as intended. But I, I think that equally, um, by getting to something earlier, you know, when SEO was new, it was easy to rank. There was limited competition. People could rake in the money. Uh, when Google Ads were new, there were limited numbers of people that were. Mm-hmm. Uh, competing for ads, and it's it's as you mentioned, it's an auction system. So the more people bidding against each other, the more you're spending per yeah. whatever the metric is, clicks or, or impressions, or um, and, and so this is all challenging. So when you get some of these new opportunities, even though there can be a little bit of extra work to be an early adopter, it, it can be a really great place to be. Get some of those uh, cheap clicks, get, you know, sort of you know figure it out early and and sort of own. That vertical a bit on on that uh, that campaign style within your ecosystem for a while within your range of competitors. Yeah, and and I think to that point, a lot of the um, the smaller or newer platforms do provide great opportunities for um, for getting good value for money, right? Because they're not as hot in terms of the auction. The audiences are not as um, saturated, maybe with with ads or you know, um, so. We see uh, uh, more and more um, brands are having experimentation budgets, five, ten percent of of kind of of the overall budget. Um, you know, if at a level of maturity where they can afford to spend a little bit of money and time, and um, you know, experimenting with a core or you know, or even a Pinterest or a TikTok or a Snap, and and, and seeing what it can deliver at which stage of the funnel does it does it make sense? And I guess the the lesson in all of that is to ensure that if you're doing it, um, you're conscious that yeah, it might be good at a particular stage of the funnel. Um, so if I'm doing work there, make sure that I can actually take it to the next stage, maybe on a different platform. Right. So I might be, you know, Pinterest might be great, for example, for you know, for certain direct consumer brands for um, probably a little bit maybe more middle funnel, right? Because it's 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 typically a an unbranded search platform. So you go to Pinterest looking for not a specific brand, but I'm looking for a new pin cushion or a new, you know, photo frame present or whatever it might be, right? Um, 
and so you're looking for ideas right or around fashion or clothing um so engage with people there highlight how you maybe you're um different and then ensuring that yeah you have um you know, you're driving to your website or you've got the pixels installed so that you can then remarket to them on other platforms right so 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 because Pinterest might be great right through the funnel, right? <laughs> um, and so, but if you can bring them into your overall funnel ecosystem, and that's a great way to to leverage these new platforms. Yeah, well, maybe it's time to start running some ads on Reddit and to, you know letting people know how they should spend the the money that they've been making on Bitcoin and GameStop and yeah. whatever they've been investing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but it's <laughs> is it that there are you know there are platforms and sometimes the costs. You know, to run a B2B campaign, let's say for a B2B e-commerce player yeah, on LinkedIn yeah. can be a lot more expensive than anything that you could try to run on Reddit or Quora yeah. or, you know, some of the, these uh, platforms that are a little bit younger to the advertising platform side of their websites and that, that are really trying to attract new advertisers yeah. uh, more actively and, and that are keeping the, uh, the costs a bit more manageable that, you know, again, back to that auction yeah. system. Uh, that you know you're not competing against quite as many. I imagine that Reddit's probably gone up a bit in the last year or so. But yeah, they do different things. Yeah, yeah, they do like they do different things because you know they core and um, Reddit and discussion forums, etc. Um, so Reddit's the like you can you might have smaller audiences, but what you might find is kind of more far more intentful audiences, right? Because they're asking a specific question or discussing a particular topic that is highly relevant to you. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they're not certainly as large as the big platforms we talk about, right? So, um, but, but if your product is, is maybe niche or interesting or is appealing to um, a niche kind of segment of the, of, of the market, then you, you definitely shouldn't discount some of these platforms. Yeah, well, Brendan, I think we've given people a lot to chew on before we wrap up for the day. Any final thoughts or pontifications? Anything before you go grab a Guinness and I go, go grab a Smithix? And <laughs> good, good. Know, we, uh, we wrap it for the day. Yeah, no, look, um, uh, really enjoyed the conversation, Robert. Uh, what I'd say to people is um, um, invest in those upper stages of the funnel because what you find time and again is that the lower funnel dynamics become much better um, because you're now starting to own your customer right through the purchase journey. So you might feel that um, I'm going to spend money and I'm not going to get an immediate ROI from it, um, but you will in the medium to long term. It'll um, uh, your bottom funnel gets far more efficient. So 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 start kind of stretching into those next stages of the funnel. Um, it'll pay off. Awesome. Well. I really appreciate you joining for this episode today. For anyone that's interested in the book, I'll make sure that we've got a note in the uh, in the show notes so that uh, you can find that and uh, and order your copy. Uh, and um, to our our listeners and viewers, as always, um, stay safe, stay healthy, happy selling, and we'll have more great content like this for you in the very near future. Thanks for listening to the Jet Rails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter. 
Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.